Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Our altar calls, I can remember as a child, used to run two, two and a half, three hours sometimes. But I'm telling you, our altar calls have gotten down to 10 minutes. And if we don't have something in 10 minutes, we think it ain't coming. But I'm here to tell you something today. There are some things that you just simply have to wait on. And if you don't get it here, you ought to go home and continue waiting. But don't give up because the promises of God are yay and they are amen and they are worth you waiting on them. And God says sometimes you have to wait a little bit. And I'm just telling God this morning, that's all right. If I got to wait, I'm just going to keep on waiting. And while I'm waiting, I'm going to praise him. While I'm waiting, I'm going to worship him. While I'm waiting, I'm going to serve him. Because I know that while I'm waiting, there's coming an end to it. And the end result will be worth the wait. ask if you while you're standing grab your Bible turn to the book of Luke chapter 24 amen while you're turning there if you just give me enough of your attention that I kind of set this up just a little bit a portion of scripture that which we're reading today the crucifixion has already taken place Jesus has been placed in a tomb and three days later he's risen from the dead he's been seen by hundreds of people and it's at this point that he is standing uh, on a hill with a few of the disciples that were there on that day and they are ready to watch him depart and I have thought about this scripture since reading it about what it must have felt like to be one of the disciples to know without any shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was the Messiah the risen Messiah not just that he was the Messiah but he was the risen Messiah that he had conquered death And to see him and to feel all the emotions that must have been coursing through their minds at that very moment, but also knowing that he was not going to physically remain with them, but he was getting ready to depart from them. You know that there had to be questions that were racing through their minds. You know, if if you're... if you've got somebody and you know that you've just got five minutes left with them and you've got a whole bunch of things that you don't know what to do or where to go or how to think about certain things, you're going to begin to ask questions or want to ask questions. What, what do I do if this happens? Or how do we handle a situation like this? You're not going to be there to lead us anymore. So you know that there had to be questions. There had to be fears. There had to be concerns about their future. And so Jesus, I believe this is part of the reason why the scripture in verse 45 of chapter 24 begins by saying, then opened he their understanding 
that they might understand the scriptures. It's one thing to walk with the Lord as they had done. It's another thing to read the scriptures as they had read the scriptures. But it's yet a deeper thing to understand what it is that you're seeing, being a part of, and reading. And Jesus goes on, verse 46, and says to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. He tells them, you've seen it. You've been a part of it. You've rubbed shoulders with it. You know it to be truthful. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. Everybody say tarry. Jesus says, but tarry. He says, wait. You need to wait. Tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I just want to preach to you a message that I've titled Worth the Wait. Worth the Wait. You may be seated today. <clears throat> As I look around the world that I live in, I have come to the conclusion that patience has never been at the top of our human characteristics chart. <laughs> we don't really like to wait. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I will show up right on the money because I don't like to show up early and have to wait on somebody to get there. I like to show up right at the moment where, okay, I'm here. Let's hop in the car. Let's go. Let's, let's get this, whatever it is that we're getting ready to do. Let's get it rolling. I'll, I'll show up because I will be the first to admit that I'm not much for waiting, not much for being patient with certain things. We are for the most part tuning out something unless it catches our interest very quickly. I have even noticed that even on the descriptions of several relatively short videos that you might see on some social media site that a lot of times now you will see, and the video may only be two or three minutes long. It's not like they're asking you to watch it for an hour and a half or an hour or even 30 minutes. It may just be a few minutes, but in the description of the video, it will say, wait until the end or don't stop watching or watch until the end because they are trying to capture you or intrigue you enough that you will put up with some of the details that lead up to the grand finale at the end. And the reason that they do that is we are so inundated with these things that unless it captures us very quickly, we're scrolling on past. We're moving along. We're changing it to the next thing. We're, we're not going to stay and, and wait. We're not not very patient with things. Everything moves at light speed these days. And so we're to believe that if we don't move with it, 
we're going to very quickly get left behind in the world of flip phones and pagers. And all those folks with flip phones just sat there and be quiet. I'm just tuning him out right now. I don't like where he's going with this at all. I took my phone up to the local place here in town. I won't say which one. Sat down. I said, hey, I need this swapped over to something. He said, that phone's no good anymore. I said, what are you talking about? It's no good. It, you know, it's not that old. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got at least three or 4G on, on this phone. You know, he's like, no, everything's going to the new iPhone 11. You might as well just buy one now. And I said, buddy, that ain't happening. He didn't know me very good. <laughs> I'm not joking when I said that. That's exactly what I said. I said, well, that ain't happening. I'll, I'll go back. You what? I will go home and get a landline and get a long little mouse tail coiled up uh, 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 wire on my phone. I'll go back to a wall phone before I am forced into buying the latest and the greatest. I'll wait till one of you have it for a couple of years. You get tired of it and you upgrade and you say, Pastor, I'm really feeling sorry for you. Why don't you take my old phone? I haven't bought a phone in years. My last three phones have been hand-me-downs. Thank you very much to all of you that... <laughs> yeah, you can't ever get a hold of me. Okay, that's why I keep the old phone. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Woo, we like to have a little bit of fun around here. That's okay, isn't it? I'm just joking. You know that, right? I love you. Yeah, you're a pretty good guy. Yeah. Man, we, we, we live in a world that is going light speed, that if you don't have 3G and then it was 4G and then it was whatever G that came along with that till, till the G-force is almost overwhelming in our life. We got everything. We need more RAM. We need more data. We need more everything. We, we just want it all. and We need faster internet speed. And God forbid if your phone has to buffer on a video. You want to shake it and you just, finally you just scroll on past, forget it. We're not going to wait. We're not waiting around for that. My great grandmother, I remember this. When we went into her house, she didn't have a, a stove like we have in our house. She had an old wooden, wood stove. And she would have to go outside or maybe out on the porch and grab a, a little bit of kindling and she would fire up the stove. And I can remember little old Grandma Molly, she'd come in there and, and she'd reach down and she'd light up that stove. And she'd light it up about 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning so she could begin uh, to get it hot enough so she could have the noon meal fixed. It wasn't like today where we just walk in and flip the switch and we've got instantaneous fire. I mean, some of us, we can't even, we won't even get an electric stove because it takes 30 to 45 seconds for that thing to heat up and get hot. We want it right now, right here. Flip the switch, make it happen. Instant response. She drew her water from a well. These are some of the things that maybe some of the older ones here might remember, but most of us can't imagine not having instant access to these amenities and friend this isn't really a part of it but you haven't lived until you've run out to an outhouse in sub-zero weather (laughs) 
Now, you're not a real man unless you've used an outhouse in sub-zero weather. Those old folks, man, they, nothing was fast. They, my life moved so slowly for them. There was nothing. They didn't get in a, a great big hurry over everything. And they had all those things. And we look back at how they lived and we think, how could they do that? I mean, I just want to turn the switch and have the heat. I just want to flip the switch and have the lights. I just want to, I, I just want to uh, make, make something happen very quickly. I want to turn the knob and the water comes out. I don't want to have to go out to a well. I don't want to have to go out to an outhouse. I don't want to have to build a fire in the middle of my kitchen in order to make Sunday afternoon dinner. I got to thinking, you know, back in the old days, those people, they didn't live very long. And I have a theory about that. They didn't want to. <laughs> like, man, this is hard. This is hard. Come, Lord, now quickly. But if you choose not to, just kill me. We're in a busy, busy rush all the time. Traffic's crazy. We're trying to figure out now, me and Brother Christian trying to figure out our, our new routes to work because we drive both of us over a, an hour or a little more to get to work and they're getting ready to close down a section of the interstate and we're trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get around that because it's going to take us, God forbid, seven, eight more minutes to get to work if we go this different way. Time is of the essence, but I've come to tell you today that there are some things that you simply cannot rush. You can't make a flower like this beautiful picture that I've chosen today uh, to illustrate to you. You can't tell that flower the moment after you planted the seed, okay, tomorrow when I come in and I say so, I want you to open up and I want you to become a thing of beauty. There are some things that are too beautiful. There are some things that are too great. There are some things that are too complicated. There are some things that are beyond us and our ability to rush them because if we rush them, we'll destroy them. Talking about snow. There's three or four that are in here that if you could snap your fingers and make it happen, by the time I finish this message today and we exited this building, there would be six to eight inches of beautiful snow outside on the ground. You would love it. And I'm very thankful that you don't have the ability to do that. You can't make a beautiful snow to fall and blanket the earth with its quiet beauty. You can't demand that the redwood tree grow several hundred feet overnight. No, there are some things that you must wait for. And might I add, for those that are around and stick around and wait for it, the way, the, it's worth the waiting on if you'll stay there for the end of whatever it is that you're waiting on. Let me take you back to what was happening here in this scripture we were talking about. It was the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended from this earth. He's been with them for three and a half years or so, and, and he's, he's been shoulder to shoulder, and they've watched him perform miracle after miracle, and they've been with him, and they were there standing, uh, some of them up close, some of them far away when he was crucified. They ran down to the tomb and found that it 
was empty. They saw him after uh, he had come back to life and had resurrected. And they had seen there and been there and witnessed all of these things that Jesus' ministry was taking place on the earth. And now here they are getting ready to say, see you later. It's all just about to end. And that's why I think that it's very important that we key in on the last thing that Jesus said before he left this earth. Well, the last things I hear my wife say every morning I get up and I take off for work. I'll come back in after getting dressed and I'll give her a little peck on the cheek and most of the time she wakes up, she's a light sleeper. If the road were reversed, I would never even know that she was gone. I mean, I'm just out. But she sleeps light enough that usually she'll wake up and she'll tell me that she loves me right before I walk out the door. Why? Because it's important to her for me to know that. Not like I would doubt it if she didn't say it. But the last thing that she says before I walk out the door, and probably most of you or a lot of you are like that, and if you're not, maybe you ought to start. Uh, uh, You ought to say things like that right before that husband or that wife walks out the door and leaves. Hey, I, I just want you to know I love you. Why? Because it tells them that the last thing that you said to them was something that is very important to you. And so Jesus, right before he ascends, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he tells them to tarry. And and saying that, what he's saying is, gentlemen, wait for it. Yes. Wait for it. There's a promise that is coming your way, but it may not be there waiting on you. You may have to go and wait on it. There's a promise that is going to clothe you. It's going to change you. It's going to transform not only you, but this entire world. But some of you are going to leave here and you're going to go and you're expecting to have it right away. You're not going to be patient enough. You're going to walk away. But for those that are willing to wait, let me tell you, it's going to be worth your wait when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with tongues as a fire. It's going to be worth the wait that it, uh, the, uh, the way that it transforms you. Yes. So don't get distracted. Don't think about everything that's going on that needs your attention because this promise that is headed your way is worth waiting for. There's a message in that for me because we live in a dispensation where we're so distracted by everything that's going on around us. It's hard for us to focus in on something. It's hard for us to wait. Our altar calls, I can remember as a child, used to run two, two and a half, three hours sometimes. But I'm telling you, our altar calls have gotten down to 10 minutes and if we don't have something in 10 minutes we think it ain't coming but I'm here to tell you something today there are some things that you just simply have to wait on and if you don't get it here you ought to go home and continue waiting but don't give up because the promises of God are yay and they are amen and they are worth you waiting on them hallelujah hallelujah Don't become distracted 
My intention today is to help us understand if we've not received the Holy Ghost as of yet, or maybe it's a little bit dry and, the, and we need it to be freshened up in our life, that don't get so distracted and caught up in everything that's going on around you that you forget that some things you cannot rush. There are some things that are so beautiful that you can't push them. You've just got to let them bloom on their own. But honey, when they bloom, it's a creation as like nothing you you've ever seen and God is in the process of causing some of you to begin to bloom don't rush what God's doing in you hold on to it keep the faith keep waiting on God keep pressing forward because God is making you into a beautiful creation Pentecost is much more than just a word that we use to put out on a church sign someplace. We're, we are apostolic in our doctrine through a Pentecostal experience. The two go hand in hand. We're at, we call ourselves apostolic because we preach and teach the exact same message that the apostles were teaching and preaching in the book of Acts. We haven't changed it one iota. Amen. Peter got up and he began to preach. When they asked what must we do, and he began to preach the Acts 2.38 message, that message has not changed. You can't get around it. You can't go under it. You try, can't try to usurp its authority. It's the same message, and I stand on that apostolic doctrine today. You must be born again of water and spirit if you want to see the kingdom of God. We are Pentecostal through our experience. We call ourselves Pentecostal because we adhere to the same experience that took place in that upper room with those 120 that were willing to wait on the promise to be fulfilled. Yes. By a show of hands, would you raise your hand if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Speaking in other tongues. Look all around this place. There are witnesses in this place today and there are others that would try to tell you that it's no longer for you, that it does no, no longer exist, that that was something for bygone eras. But there are too many witnesses in this place today that can say it's more than just an emotion. Amen. It's more than just some fanaticism. But this is a true Pentecostal experience that is still being poured out on the world today because this world needs the Holy Ghost just the way it was preached in the book of Acts. We teach the apostles' doctrine. We have the Pentecostal experience. You can have the understanding of Scripture, but until you have the power of the Holy Ghost, your relationship with God just won't get real far. You can have the knowledge of the Word, but without the power of the Spirit... You can have a brand new car sitting in your garage. Everything is in place. Everything works. You've got the key. Everything is in its place and it's beautiful and shiny and new and there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing that you need is for some gasoline in the gas tank. And that's kind of the way I relate 
the apostles' doctrine to the Pentecostal experience. You can have the doctrine right. You can have all the mechanics in place. You can have everything there that is working, but you need some power in the engine. You need some fire to begin to burn in those pistons. You need the spark to begin to take place. And that's why when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the Holy Ghost with fire because it's the Holy Ghost that empowers the apostolic doctrine to transform you and change you. You can have all the head knowledge, but without a change of heart, you're not going to get very far. That's why I'm hungry for a true move of the Holy Ghost not just in this church, but in me. God, move in the midst of me. Change this temple. Clean this temple out. Change me and transform me, God. I'm not satisfied with who I am. Oh, it doesn't mean that I'm bad or that I'm living sinful lifestyle, but there's a hunger in me for something more. There's a hunger in me. And God says sometimes you have to wait a little bit. And I'm just telling God this morning, that's all right. If I got to wait, I'm just going to keep on waiting and while I'm waiting I'm going to praise him while I'm waiting I'm going to worship him while I'm waiting I'm going to serve him because I know that while I'm waiting there's coming an end to it and the end result will be worth the wait don't become impatient if God doesn't answer you immediately don't become fickle with God if things don't turn out the way that you planned Don't become impatient if he sends you back down the hill and off the mountain into a little room when you thought he was going to send you into greatness somewhere. Sometimes God will send you to a darkened room to prepare you for the promise before he sends you out to fulfill the promise. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 48, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, you've seen a lot. They watched as he had performed the miracles. They'd seen the mighty power that he possessed. They were believers. understood who he was and how he used those powers to benefit the needs of the people. But now, now they're standing there saying goodbye, and Jesus is leaving them with some final instructions. It's a promise waiting you. Don't be afraid to wait for that promise. Because the promise that is going to come is not of this world. We love when God gives us a promise. We love when the power of God is demonstrated. There's a promise awaiting you. I'm right. I love gifts. Who doesn't love a gift? Hey, I know we've taken you out to eat for your for your birthday and everything, and and we've taken you out and had a good time. But when we get back home, don't forget to don't forget we we got a bunch of gifts for you. Woohoo! What a way to end the day. <laughs> we like gifts. We like power. We like to see God demonstrate 
his awesomeness. We love it when somebody walks up and the Holy Ghost uh, comes over them and they're healed or they have their life transformed. We love when God moves in supernatural ways. It's an amazing thing to be a witness to the power and the demonstration of a holy and a righteous God. We don't have a problem with those two things. The problem that we have is we don't like waiting on them. Lord, I'm praying for patience. Give me patience and give it to me right now. (laughs) You know, when we pray for patience, be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you ask for. Because sometimes there are some avenues to get you there that are not real pleasant. But they're great teachers. I wish I would have brought it today. It just popped into my mind. But I was digging through a lot of the old papers that there's some boxes and things that I was going through of my parents and my mom is moving out of her house into an assisted living facility and uh, I'm trying to dig through things and I pulled out this old kind of ratty paper and opened it up some of my dad's stuff and it talked about it talked about the hardships of life and how children have it so easy these days that they they really have never had to deal with learning how to deal with hardships one of these days, maybe I'll share it with you. I, I brought it home. I've saved it. I've tucked it away because I want to keep it. And my dad used to always say things like, um, you know, I don't know what rich kids have to talk about <laughs> when they grow up. They had everything handed to them. They, they didn't want for anything and Said us poor kids, we get up and we we talk about how we used to play with sticks, you know, <laughs> how we used to go swimming down the the swimming hole, the old nasty water down there, and catch frogs and crawdads. And now I can remember yesterday I was driving out through the country on my secular job, and I and all the creeks were flooded. And as I drove over several of my, I looked down, my mind was flooded with the memories of being, uh, you know, a young a young person, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, a child, and running around with the the neighborhood kids down through the old muddy creek. And we'd make boats. Uh, we didn't. Our parents didn't go to the store and buy us. Big Big, shiny fancy boats so we could out uh, race the other kids no we took pieces of blocks that were just scrap lumber out of the the shed and we'd stick a little flag in the top of it or find uh, a little green army man and glue him to the top of it and that was that was our boat and we'd go down and race our boats down the the little creeks and just have fun all day long i can remember being out there in my old green northern uh boots that my muck boots that my uh, grandfather would buy me every time i'd outgrow them and and they weren't fancy they were dirty and they they uh, I, I just used them as a kid the way I was. We just rough and tumble kids in the in the neighborhood and all those things. And, I, and, and uh, you know, how, what do rich kids even talk about? Well, down at the country club, uh, <laughs> I remember that one time when there was nobody there to t- lace my shoes for me. 
straighten my tie. And I'm talking about scraped knees and bloody noses. And we, I, I can keep you for, for years. Well, I have. I've kept you for almost 15 years uh, now pastoring this place and telling you all the stories. And I'm not even getting close to being finished. The fact of the matter is, is there were many more people that were at the giving of the promise that were, than, than were at the fulfillment of the power. You know, Jesus didn't just reveal to him, uh, uh, himself to uh, after the resurrection to just the 12 disciples. Do you know that there were more people that saw him than just a handful of people? There were a lot of people that saw him. There were people that heard the, the giving of the promise, but there weren't that many people that were there at the fulfillment of the power. And I think about that and I think it's not that they didn't all receive the same promise. It's that some of them got lost waiting for the, the fulfillment of that promise. They got lost and because they got lost in the waiting, they did never receive the fulfillment of the power. God sometimes pauses in order to see who's committed. If God's got you in a holding pattern right now, hang in there. Don't let go of the promise that he left you with because God cannot lie. And there will come an end to your waiting. But if you walk away too soon, you can walk away from God. You can walk away from the church. You can walk away in the middle because you're not patient and you're tired of waiting. You think God has forgotten you. God has never forgotten you. As a matter of fact, 2,000 years have gone by where he said, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. What is that? That's a promise. Hey, let me tell you something. We're waiting. We're waiting for him. But I, I'm telling you, every day that we wait, we're one day closer to the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus Christ is going to come back and those eastern clouds are going to split the sky. Amen. And he's going to call his church away. I don't want to get lost waiting for him because waiting on him is worth it. Yes. He's not afraid to let us wait because in the waiting it separates the casual from the committed. Acts 2 and 1 says when the day of Pentecost was fully come in other words when the time was right don't you think that God was making a mistake as he waited those 10 or so days for for Pentecost to come God knew exactly what he was doing the Bible says when the time was right when it was fully come they were all in one accord in one place Sometimes God will make you wait just so that you can get yourself in the right place. And he can separate you from those that are going to distract you. Oh, I guarantee you on day one, that, that upper room was full of people, Brother Hogan. There was more than 120 there on day two. 
Day three, maybe there's a few less, but there's still quite a crowd. But day, day four comes, and, and now people are starting to like look at their watches, and people are starting to uh, look at their schedules and the things that they're missing out on, and the people that they feel like that, that need their attention. I can understand it because I'm much the same way. I, I'm, I'm built that way. I, I began to say, well, what are we waiting on here? But there were some that said, I don't care if I die here. I'll die waiting on the promise. And suddenly, without warning, they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're praying, they're seeking God, and they're waiting. God has a way of Sneaking in the back door sometimes and just blowing our minds with a and suddenly moment. Day 10 goes, comes around and morning time comes just like it always has. and Nothing seems to be different. And suddenly everything changes. Because there came a sound of a, a rushing mighty wind that came into that room. And all of a sudden they began to speak in other tongues. Because the Holy Ghost stepped in and changed everything. For those that were willing to wait on God and wait on the promise. Don't get lost in your waiting. Amen. You just keep on waiting on God. If he doesn't fulfill his promise today, you wait on him tomorrow. If it takes next week or next year or the rest of your life. Because there will come a day my friend when God will fulfill his promise to you would our music come today some say this was only for the apostles some say this experience is not for mankind today but it is it is You can't show me in the Bible where this has stopped, where it's ended. Now, some will take you to 2 Corinthians and talk about there coming a day when tongues will cease. That's not talking about the fulfillment of the Holy Ghost being poured out in this dispensation. There will come a day when there will be no need for the Holy Ghost to dwell in men. When the Lord takes his spirit out of this earth, it's going to be over. It's very easy to explain that with somebody if you know what you're talking about. It's very easy. The Holy Ghost is real and it's for you and it's for me. Not is it only for us, but it is necessary. It's necessary. Pentecostal experience has not lost its power to those that will wait for it. Brother Rice, I come down to the altar and I, I put my hands up just like I see everybody else doing. I, I really want it. It just doesn't seem like I can get it. Let me tell you something. You don't have to get it here. My wife received the Holy Ghost in a motel room. I believe, were you on vacation? Of course she was on vacation. Why else would she be in a motel room? Oh, your parents just throw you in a motel room every once in a while and they get sick and tired of hearing you, you know. Man, it's worth that 45 bucks. Put her in a motel room. Have a little peace. <laughs> Vacation in a motel room. She receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
For me, I, I, I was just a nosy kid walking up to see what was all the noise was about. Ten years old. I go back to the prayer room. They got a couple windows and bat wing doors there, whatever you call them. They both swung open wide and swung either way. I was going to look through the crack. I wasn't tall enough to get up and even see through the, the windows. I was going to look through the crack, maybe push it open, see what was going on in there. And my pastor's wife, would, I guess she uh, was looking out the window and saw me sneaking up to see what was going on. I got up close. She just shoved the door open, grabbed me by the arm, threw me right in the middle of the whole mess. <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost, boy. If anybody in this church needs the Holy Ghost, that little rice kid needs the Holy Ghost. I don't know what to do. I was looking around, you know, I was like, I guess I'll kneel down and pray because she's still at the door and I can't sneak back out. <laughs> my Sunday school teacher come up behind me, just put his hand on my shoulder and began to pray. I don't remember a word he said. All I remember is what I felt. And it wasn't a few minutes later, these words began to flow out of my lips that I had never been taught. I had never learned them anywhere. It was a heavenly language. And the language was really cool, but it was a feeling that impacted me the most. Because I knew that this power wasn't coming from my Sunday school teacher, or my mother, or my father, or my pastor, or my pastor's wife. This that I was feeling was coming from God. You got your stories, or maybe you don't have a story yet. Maybe you're still waiting. All I'm telling you is don't think you got to get it here at the church. If you don't get it here, go home and pray. God can fill you as you kneel down at your couch, or at your bedside. Oh my word, we had the Holy Ghost break out in a business meeting one, one year here. That, that's unheard of, but I've seen a lot of business meetings where the Holy Ghost needed to be there. There was a lady came over to our house one day distraught we sat down we talked with her and the next thing you know we said can we pray with you it wasn't 30 seconds she was speaking in tongues God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the time had fully come the time was right you choose when you repent and you choose when you get baptized but God chooses when he fills you with his spirit because it's important that the time is right. Would you stand with me today? I've got more. I'm stopping. Let me just say this. God will never give power to an unsubmitted vessel. He will never put his spirit, which is the most powerful thing in the universe, into a vessel that has not properly prepared itself. You don't put a weapon in the hands of someone who won't obey. experience the Holy Ghost today 
the best way I can tell you to receive it is just submit completely to him God whatever you say whatever you want whatever your desire is for me I submit my will to your will and Lord I'm just come to tell you that if you don't give it to me today you can expect me back tomorrow and if I don't get it tomorrow Lord I'm just I'm just gonna be real honest with you I'll be back the next day I'm gonna keep waiting keep waiting keep waiting because heaven is worth the wait thank you for listening to the landmark apostolic church podcast you can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the landmark family if you are ever in our area our doors are open on sundays at 10 a.m and wednesday at 7 p.m Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.